Hi, everybody. Welcome to another version of the Bruce Singer podcast. Uh, just share a bit about the. We have a very exciting guest. They're all they're all exciting guests. I love them. Uh, just share a bit about the podcast. It's about it's about great content about storytelling. Um, today you'll be inspired like 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 the other podcasts. And uh, I'm Bruce Singer. I'm your host and also uh, CEO and founder of Canada CFOs, which provides fractional and interim CFOs to companies. And we're very passionate about the food space, food tech, the food ecosystem, health and wellness. And we have an incredible guest today, uh, Mike McNeil from Venture Park Labs. Thank you, Mike, for coming on the podcast. My pleasure for being here. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. And I'm going to share a bit about a bit about Mike. Mike is the uh, Mike is the vice president of Venture Park Labs. He is uh, he is the award winner, uh, the 2023 top Canadian executives by the Globe and Mail. Congrats, Mike! And that is very recent. That is an incredible accomplishment. Um, Arlene Dickinson uh, brought on Mike as a, as the first team member of Venture Park Labs, which was quite interesting. And I'll share more how that, how that came about. Uh, they, Mike and his team at Venture Park Labs to date have uh, have contributed 1.5 billion into the Canadian economy, specifically the food and the food ecosystem and, and wellness, health and wellness. And they've helped over over 130 startups. They're 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 doing about a whole, uh, averaging now about 100 a year. I think you said it was 100 startups a year. Right. They're just doing incredible, and they have an unbelievable vision of how to how to do this. And also, Mike was the advisor to Jim Flaherty at the time he was finance minister. So he's got an incredible, an incredible get time to be inspired and get excited about today's uh, about today's. It's a lot of things, and everybody wants the same thing. Everybody wants investing. So we're going to talk about that. So, Mike, uh, before we get into some of the some of the details, let's talk about. Uh, can you share share your story? Is is how you came about? You know, because things do evolve. I'd love to hear it. Certainly, well, it's, it's been a wild ride. As you mentioned, I, I started my career working in in federal politics, but I was actually an insurance broker for about two days after graduating from school because somebody said, hey, that's a great business to start. And, uh, and no offense to the insurance brokerage industry, but uh, I had an opportunity to work for uh, our local MP at the time who had just volunteered on his political campaign. And and like everything that it seemingly come along in my career, it's like, if you want to do this, you got to do it right now and uproot your life. So I immediately moved to Ottawa out of school, and I was really fortunate to work for Jim as a political advisor for close to three years just before he resigned and unfortunately passed away. And that was a really challenging period because I was, you know, I had no idea what I was going to do next. I just basically worked for nonstop day and night for about three years uh, and was a little bit burnt out. And uh, a little bit lost. And incredibly, I, I got connected through a former colleague to Arlene Dickinson, who, of course, was on the show Dragons Den. And I, I knew of the public persona of Arlene. And, and I knew that she was a, a really famous marketer and accomplished business person. But she had this vision to start an ecosystem for uh, consumer packaged goods companies and very intentionally start that ecosystem in Calgary, which at that time was really having another downturn in the resource sector and was looking at what's a new industry that everybody can get on board with to drive some economic growth. And Arlene was leading that conversation and 
And I had just come recommended from a, a former colleague. I had no experience in consumer packaged goods. I'd never even worked in business before. But just based on that recommendation, Arlene took a chance on me. And just like Jim was like, great, but you've got to move to Calgary. And so I think it was a couple of days uh, notice from working from from interviewing with Arlene to speaking to her to moving entirely to Calgary from Ottawa whoa, and, whoa, and whoa. uprooting my life and and joining a city I didn't know anybody in. And, uh, and, and Calgary is just this really incredible place. It's such a great community that I was welcomed really quickly. And we got some great partners and we started the first accelerator program for food and beverage, health and wellness companies in Canada at the time and uh, had a lot of great success with it. So I worked for Arlene on establishing the program. She raised her first investment round at what is District Ventures Capital. And then I decided, you know, I really wanted to join an early stage company and understand what it's like to be on the other side of things. So I joined a company called Purple Frog, which was a really exciting air care brand that was doing quite well in our program. And then I think it was a, a week before I had uh, given my notice to, to join the company and leave uh, the accelerator program that they had a major product recall and all of the distribution partnerships that they were just launching in were now returning all the product. So it became a, how do we sustain operations? How do we basically keep this thing going? And uh, I decided to join just because uh, I love the founders. I, I love the vision for the company. And I spent about a year and a half sorting that out and, and raising capital and and eventually relaunching the brand and, and growing it and actually investing my own capital into it as well. And uh, from there, I became a partner in that business and I actually had an amazing role of becoming the, the president of the Alberta Small Brewers Association, which represents about 100 craft breweries in the province. And that really? sector is growing like crazy and a lot of fun. And uh, I got a call from Arlene during the early days of COVID to come back and support what we were doing and, and make sure that all the stuff that we had done over the last five years was going to make it through that crazy period. And I've been there ever since. And now, as you mentioned, we're supporting a lot of entrepreneurs across you. Canada. It's a, it's a national initiative and I'm very fortunate to lead a team that just does some incredible work in supporting entrepreneurs and, and putting them first and dedicated to making an impact. So. Congratulations! Congratulations! That, that's incredible. Congratulations! So let, let's talk about let's talk about entrepreneurs because especially in these times and look all the times it's it's the food. There's a common theme. Everybody wants to everybody wants to grow. Everybody wants to get into it. Everybody look they all need an investment. There's a common there's a common theme here. So what can you share about your experiences? Like how do you I get how do you help companies? What kind of companies do you help? How do companies stand out? Like 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 what's like what what tell, tell us for I guess first tell us a bit about Venture Park Labs like exactly what it's all about yeah sure it's actually it's actually structured as a not for profit initiative and yeah. we're partnered with District Ventures Capital which is a hundred million dollar investment fund and of course they're looking for really innovative and driven entrepreneurs to invest in and we work really well together because a lot of those entrepreneurs inevitably come through our programs. Um, but in terms of what we do, we support entrepreneurs from the idea stage. So we work with about 45 entrepreneurs annually through a program called Concept to Market Sprint. Mm -hmm. And that is a, a two-month boot camp on, okay, you've got a food concept or a recipe. How would you actually scale that into a food product? Okay. And so at that point, those are products that are very much at the beginning 
of their journey. And we're just helping them figure out product market fit. The next stage would be, uh, we actually have a food manufacturing facility uh, that we took over from the city of Toronto back in 2019. Based on the strength of our program, we had had some successes there. We were asked to take over that facility. It used to be an organization called Food Starter. And we integrated that uh, facility into our ecosystem. So we support about 40 entrepreneurs annually that self-manufacture in that facility. They can rent the kitchens hourly. They can rent a dedicated space. They can fulfill their orders from there. That's incredible. And Fantastic. We took it over because it's like, there's nothing like that in Toronto. And uh, when it had, you know, fortunately gone through the process of potentially closing down, it was clear that you would lose so many businesses that were just starting up that entrepreneurs had invested a ton of their own capital into starting those businesses. And the value that it provides is that you can test your product. You can scale your operations and not invest into a huge facility or your own equipment until you know you've really got something. And so that's the value that it provides. And then we have the accelerator program, which we run twice a year. And those companies that go through that program have some sales, they have some revenue, but they're looking for either investment, a national distributor, we're partnered with Sobeys for that program. So typically they're involved in like their local program and they want to get into some more uh, stores across Canada and we'll help them navigate that process. And we work with them through a period of four months. And then we see a few standouts that come through that program that we then recommend to not just our fund, but other investors across the ecosystem that uh, might need capital to take that next step. So you're really, you're, you're really working with them, right? Depending where they are, right from the infantile stage, let's call it, uh, pre-revenue right to like, it, it's, it's taking them along the journey uh, to get them to, to where they need to go. And so you have all the, so how do you choose who, how do you, how do you choose who to work with? Like what, what's the, like, how do you identify or what kind of advice would you give? Like, cause look, you got a lot going on. I mean, I'm assuming you work 130, but there's a lot more, uh, let's call it pitch decks coming into your, into your inbox. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't, I'm sure of it. You know what I mean? And obviously, no yeah. everybody qualifies. So how does how does one yeah how does one stand out? I think it's I think it's unique to different funds. So you know, the fund is looking for a different set of criteria than I would be looking. And so, what's unique in my role is that like I get to know the entrepreneur. So the period of them being in our programs, our team is working with them very very closely. And there's a number of touch points that I also have with the entrepreneur. And Arlene actually participates in our accelerator program a lot. She's involved in our demo day, which is kind of the, the live pitch event that we do at the end of each accelerator cohort. And we do a founder session, which Arlene will meet all of the entrepreneurs and give them advice based on her knowledge as an investor of all the companies we've worked with as well. And so she's getting a perspective on the companies, but to, to answer your question, like if I was to make a recommendation that I think the fund or another investor should look at. It's really how well organized the entrepreneur. And there's a few different aspects, I think, that go into that. One is, do they have a clear line of sight of where they want to be like a year from now? So I'm a big believer in, in setting the vision and then working backwards from there. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do at Venture Park Labs as well. It's like we figure out what our annual objectives are. And then on a quarterly basis, you figure out who needs to do what to get closer yeah. to that. And then you track on a weekly basis. Are you meeting... You know, are, are you on track to meet those? I, I like that kind of structure because a lot of entrepreneurs and no fault of their own, it's kind of the nature of the business. It's like you're chasing growth, right? So you're going out there and taking on accounts for, 
you know, that narrative of saying, hey, this is a really growing business and we're expanding, we're doing really great. And you can post that on your social media, but kind of the challenges are that growth is really expensive. And so somebody on the venture capital side of things, and and I have this experience as well as understanding there's a lot of risk in taking on really big accounts, right? And, and figuring out how to actually support those brands. It's very capital intensive. It requires a lot of effort. And so getting onto a store shelf is half the battle. So you want an entrepreneur that I think that recognizes that and understands that, you know, getting into a new account, growing the business is an exercise of pushing a little bit forward and then figuring out how do you bridge the gap to make sure that that new growth that you've taken on those new accounts are actually supported so you get consistent revenue, you get consistent. It's a good growth. point. Good point. That's a challenge. I, I think a lot of the value that we provide through the accelerator program is really orienting the entrepreneur so that they can understand if I want to be here a certain level of growth for a year from now, if I want to be a million, $2 million company uh, from a revenue perspective, what do I actually need to do to effectively grow to that level? What resources are lacking? And an entrepreneur that's really structured in that way, that's an entrepreneur that I would feel comfortable making a recommendation to the fund and saying, you know, this, there's a product market fit. Obviously there's some sales to show that there is an appetite for this type of product, but they have a clear line of sight on how they're going to grow the business. That's good. That's good. There seems to be you mentioned. There seems to be that magic milestone, uh, like like what what I do. I deal with with some venture capital and things like that. Are they at a million million five yet? <laughs> you know I mean? Like like you know, I, like there seems to be that magic. I don't know, just a magic milestone. Uh, it, it's are they at that stage? You know, it's interesting you say that. You know, and yeah. uh, it's just it's just interesting. So so there's got to be challenge take place. Let's talk about because uh, we both experience it. I, I call it the mental challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what can you share? How do how do you how do you support? Well, how does one support mentally? Because it is it is a it's a it's a very and then you know you get things like imposter syndrome come up and self doubt come up, and mm-hmm. how do you how do you deal with that? Well, it's something that I think doesn't get discussed enough. Um, yeah. You know, when I when I joined Purple Frog, when I left the accelerator program, uh, I had this vision of entrepreneurship that it was going to be this hustling grind, you know, uh, approach to life that you'd wake up and the phone is going to be ringing off the hook and people are going to want your product. And it's more an exercise of like, oh, you know, I'll I'll raise capital. And that was a very unique situation because I mentioned earlier, it's like, it was that at one point. And then when everything kind of collapsed where there was a product recall and the regulatory environment had just shifted underneath the company's feet overnight, uh, then it became an exercise of you had a lot of people wanting to uh, get paid for the invoices. You didn't have any cash to actually uh, sustain operations. Um, that's a challenge mentally, and there's no positive feedback loop coming during that period. You know, when you do a good job at work, ideally there's someone like your boss recognizing it, giving you positive feedback. There's none of that in entrepreneurship, especially when it's not going well. And uh, I am, I was at a stage in my life where I don't think I'd necessarily really failed before. It was, uh, you know, I'd gone to school, I'd worked for Jim, and 
Jim Flaherty, the finance minister, was this really well celebrated public figure. And it was like a great opportunity to work for him. And, and people knew what I was doing based on Jim's kind of reputation, but nobody knew anything about Purple Frog. And it was the startup that was going through a really challenging period. So mentally for me, it was probably one of the darker moments in my life because I had really missed out on, you know, feeling if I was on the right track or not in my career, had I made the right decision or not. And I remember, you know, spending a lot of days in, in coffee shops because we didn't have a physical office. And that was before everything was remote. Uh, just thinking, you know, how do you know if you're being successful or not? Like, how do you know you're making strides in your business and that's that's a mental challenge that's it yeah that's a huge mental challenge and then you go on social media and you see even more so now i think this has really exploded during the pandemic you see people broadcasting their success all the time and you compare which is really one of the dangers of social media right it's like you only see somebody else's wins but you don't see that they're probably having a similar (laughs) experience on a day-to-day basis that you are so where we can support, I think, is the entrepreneur needs to really pay attention to that, like the, the self-talk. You need to really, I think, identify what are the things you're telling yourself about yourself. And it happens so quickly that sometimes you don't even catch the thoughts that are going through your head. It's hard. But I would under like I would really think that like what I learned from that experience and why it was such a good experience for me overall is it is success. It's a cliche, but it's not linear, right? You have small wins, then you have a lot of setbacks. You have small wins, you have a lot of setbacks. And it's good to celebrate the wins, but don't use the setbacks as evidence that things aren't working out for you. I think that's the biggest thing. It's just ultimately, you got to keep making small improvements into your business on a day-to-day basis, and they add up over time. Just don't lose sight on that, I think, is, is the way through that. But there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of increasing stress now because of the economic impact. And I have a lot of empathy for entrepreneurs. And I, I think it's because I've been on the other side of it. But I do think that it's tremendously, immensely hard. Uh, you made such a good point about the social media. Look, I'm an entrepreneur too. And I get on, my God, look at this guy. He's the, Look at this person. Look at this guy. She just got at the Walmart. I'm in my food. <laughs> I got, just got into Walmart, man. I'm, I'm just an example. Man, I'm yeah. so depressed. You know I mean, what's wrong with me? You know, I'm not. I'm a finance person. I love my space. I hear it from my yeah. clients. You know, you my clients, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> and you see it. And you, but yeah, but you don't really know what's going on in the background. Maybe that person went into Walmart. And I'm not criticizing it. Maybe a 10% margin, you know? True. And, and you have no idea. And that's not going to that's not going to do anything, and uh, you know you don't know whole, but it's true. What social media has an effect, and um, and it could have a positive. And it's so true. It's so true. What you said, interesting. So 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 what so what the the you mentioned it's. It, it, I guess the the moral of the story is it's a grind. Yeah, it's a yeah, grind, it, right? Yeah, it's a grind, but it, you know, it's. There is no other path, I think, that can force you to grow uh, as much as entrepreneurship because you are dealing with some real truths about life, right? There is no clear, like, there is no clear way to affirm that you're always on the right path. Like, you, you just have got to really have a little bit of faith that things are going to. Faith, yeah. You got to have faith. Yeah. 
that is that is a challenging skill to develop when I know for, I'm just speaking from my own experience where it's like other people's affirmation at that point in my life was very, very important. And once you kind of strip that away and entrepreneurship does that, uh, you've got to develop a way of finding happiness in, in what I would say is a space of like rapid ambiguity where there is no clear path forward. That's a really good skill to develop. And I, I you can develop that in any career path, but there is no other way to navigate entrepreneurship, I think, without learning how to deal with that skill. Otherwise, you know, you get swallowed by a lot of anxiety and uncertainty. Yeah. You do, you do. So you know, we're going to end the podcast very shortly. This has been awesome. Is there a couple of things I want to ask? So if when someone listens to the podcast, and so let's say they, they heard what you said and they want to they want to get on board, they want to reach out to Venture Park Labs. They want to reach out to. What's the is it through the site? What's the best way? Because that'd be great. What if someone is a fit for what you're doing? What's the best way to connect? Well, you can go to our website, VenturePartLabs.ca. You can email me personally. I'm Mike at VenturePark.ca. Um, you know, we're obviously looking for entrepreneurs to support and help, but we're also looking for people that can help us support entrepreneurs. So. The way our funding model works as a not-for-profit is that entrepreneurs contribute to Venture Park Labs. We have government contributions that then match those contributions from entrepreneurs. And then the rest is tied to our corporate partners like Sobeys, BMO, Trio Life. Awesome. Awesome. All of those organizations lower the barrier for entrepreneurs to succeed. So any more support we can get from that only allows us to further our no, that's that's fabulous. You made a very bad point. The barriers. You made a very. That's a very. How to how to, and you offer a lot. And even at the mental side, you're you're offering a lot of support. You know because that's part of the it's part of the it's part of the plan. It's part of the it's part of the journey, right? It's part of the journey. This has been. Thank you so much, Mike. This has been extremely insightful. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was awesome. Is there anything else last minute you want to share that we I didn't we didn't talk about that you think is important? I just want to acknowledge uh, my team, if I can, Bruce. I have 10 people that have really taken what they've learned the hard way throughout their careers in CPG and are dedicated to sharing that knowledge to entrepreneurs just to make it a little bit easier and a little bit faster to get where they're going. So uh, we have an exceptional team that put in a lot of time, a lot of hours, a lot of motion into what they're doing. So. They're the strength on Venture Park Labs. So um, Thank you. any entrepreneur that needs that support, uh, we'd be happy to provide it. Thank you so much, Mike. It's been awesome. And everybody, Thanks. we'll see you on the next version of the podcast. Take care.